everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike. I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. And today we have a very special guest. It's NY Jets Media, Mr. Richie. And uh, you know, you could you could find him. You can find him on fucking YouTube. You find him on Twitter. I think I'm just going to start introducing people as like an old Italian guy. Hey, this guy, he talks about the Jets. He's got a great account. You know, you should go check him out. So, but now Richie's great. NY Jets Media. He's got the YouTube channel that probably does better than even your Twitter. Yeah, that's man. You brag about yourself, Richie. That's the. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure to finally be on here. I had you boys on the uh, one of my no, I think twice, twice. on the live stream for Jets Media. So it's about time. I was waiting for the DM, be like, "Yo, come on to the Broadway Jets uh, podcast." I've been yeah. waiting. I listen to you boys all the time. Uh, I love your stuff on Twitter. It's comedy, definitely the funniest Jets Twitter accounts out there. Um, I'm excited to talk some Jets, man. Talk about the past. Talk about the Jets upcoming. Talk about Zach Wilson, Robert Sala. Let's get into this. Yeah, I think we can start by the week two loss, uh, the home opener, because Mike and I were going to rip a podcast Monday night, Tuesday night, and we just didn't want to talk about the game. We, we needed a couple days to go through we're it. making excuses, but they were not. Yeah, just... I'm like, oh, I got to go walk the dog tonight. can't do it. And, then, and <laughs> I think, um, you know, the good thing about the home opener is I know I got there at 845. Mike got there at 915. It was great to be back. You know, tailgating is one of the best things about being a football fan. Drinking, having a good time, throwing the football. Richie, did, how, what time did you get there? Talk about the tailgate experience for you and, and all the hype leading up to that home opener. Yeah, man. So I'm from uh, Long Island, New York. So my buddy and I, we actually drove into New Jersey on Saturday. We stayed in a hotel Saturday night so we could wake up early Sunday morning, not worry about you know the traffic or anything. So we got to the parking lot at 8.30 in the morning. Um, and we just, you know, chilled. It was just awesome to be around Jets fans. It was the first time, you know, in two years we were able to experience the, the fandom all together. The energy was through the roof. I got to meet a bunch of my subscribers. It was awesome. I got to meet fellow Jets YouTubers like Ryan from Jets Talk. I met to uh, meet Green Bean, who was the man. So it was great to meet everybody. It was great to be around Jets fans. And then when I got into the stadium, bro, Oh man, the Jets Jets chants were crazy. Fireman Ed, they were all waving the towels. Introduction, the energy is so crazy. The environment at MetLife was like, please make sure that this is the vibe throughout the entire game. And we got that feeling in the first series. And the defense, first of all, that that play was bullshit. Marcus May forced the fumble, but then we got then we got a sack from Marcus May, so he redeems himself. Um, Well, not it wasn't his fault, but he made a big play, and that place was going crazy. Until we all know what, have, uh, what happened with Zach Wilson that we'll get into it. So the tailgate was great. It was awesome meeting all my subscribers, meeting all the fans, meeting all Jets fans, just being there together. And then we all know what ended up happening, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. dude, that was like the best part is meeting some of these people that we've gotten to interact with over the last exactly. you know, year or so. Like a couple guys came up. They're like, I think I recognize you. I'm like, fuck yeah, you do. Let's have a shot. Like, yeah, that, that's like the coolest <laughs> part, man. Like, unfortunately, we didn't get to meet up, but there were so many times where, like, I've been in contact with you and you've been on my show, like Green Bean, for example. Like, I've known him for a year and I just meet him in person. And it's like, oh, my God, this is insane. Like, it's just a crazy feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we met uh, Andy Sukoff. We met the guy Byron. I didn't know Byron is, is Australian. It's hilarious. He's like, hey, mate. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah, that, that Zach Carr. It, it was a good time. And I Zach think uh, you brought up the first drive of the game. I tweeted it out. I was nervous. I, 
you look back to the Monday night game in 2019, it was like a nine-minute drive touchdown Patriots. And I'm sitting there, and I think five minutes were off the clock. And I'm like, are we going to have another nine-minute drive to start the game? And the defense played their ass off. They're the number one third-down defense efficiency in the NFL through two weeks, and they're playing great. The, the toughest part of the game, we don't have to go you know, game by game. It's Friday, so we, we can just do a brief overview. The toughest part is when it was 10-3 and they were driving. At that time, Zach Wilson had two picks. And you can get an opportunity to make it 10-6 or we're going to touchdown. And that's the one they threw short to Elijah Moore. I think he did like a you know, post on the right side and just underthrew him right to him. Also, Fourth, before that drive, they just had a chance to score a touchdown. And they ran that three times. That was the long drive. They ran it three times on, on the goal line. So, yeah. You know, people think LaFleur called a really good game. I, I don't think it was terrible. I think, obviously, inside the 10-yard line didn't do great on that drive. But it was one of those games, and then, Richie, we talked about it before, almost every Jet player played pretty well. The rookies played well. The O-line looked a lot better. The defense was great on third down. The corners were great. And it came back to you had a rookie quarterback who turned the ball four, all, the, turned the ball over four times. And we are in no way out on Zach Wilson. That game means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but we need to start stacking good games moving forward, right? He stacked a good half against Carolina. Now we have to keep it moving in Denver. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was a, a tough, tough ride home after seeing <laughs> the four interceptions. And, and, and then you look and, you know, Carolina's winning. It's, it's just a game that, that's frustrating, but we're on to Denver. We are on to Denver. We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. Before we go to yeah, before we go to Denver, I guess Richie, any like big takeaways player wise? Yeah, man. So I have a pretty bold take, and I said this on my channel. I got pretty, uh, I got ripped apart. Um, if Zach Wilson, and it's kind of like hypothetical, so that you can't do the what if factor, but I really believe based on what how the team played around Zach Wilson, if Zach played a game of just smart football, not turning it over. I think that we're in the game in the fourth quarter. have a chance to win the game. Not saying we would have won, but I think it would have been competitive in the fourth. And the reason why I say that is what Matt just mentioned, that the offensive line, the run game, the defense was playing a brand of football that we have not seen from this Jets team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line against the Panthers and the run game against the Panthers was so bad. And it's crazy how they just took a huge jump from week one to week two. And then Zach Wilson, I really think was the biggest issue with it. And obviously Mike LaFleur deserves some blame. The wide receivers as well. Corey Davis uh, dropped the pass. He did not have his best game, but I love what I saw from this Jets team. Um, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball and the run game, because we knew that this is a ground to pound style of offense and it all starts up front. It all starts with the run game. Nothing will work without the run game. So it's a really good sign that we rush for over 150 yards. We have a rookie running back, a Michael Carter making plays, Ty Johnson making plays. So, you know, it was a very unfortunate game. Zach Wilson had a nightmare performance, obviously. If, if you told me going into the season, my thoughts about Zach Wilson, I, I would have said my expectations is he's going to have one or two games where he does not look good at all and he turns the ball over numerous times. And Jets fans, some Jets fans are going to be saying he's a bust right away and prematurely mm-hmm. saying that we made a mistake. I knew that going in is the reality of not only having a rookie quarterback, but having a rookie offensive play caller and a rookie head coach on top of it. So I, this is what I expected going in. It's unfortunate that it had to happen during our home opener um, when we're all ready, but it's the reality of it. I'm not out on Zach Wilson. You should not be out no. on Zach Wilson. 
people were booing him too is insane. I don't even get me started <laughs> on the booze. Mike, we went through this with the Mets, and I don't even want to get into this with the booze <laughs> with the Jets. So that's yeah. my really overall take about that game. Well, the interesting thing is too, at the same time, Sam Darnold is playing really well for the Panthers. He's throwing for 300 yards a game. He's on pace for 5,100 yards. They're 3-0. and They played a little bit of a soft schedule. But I want to give some credit to us who are – we are big Sam guys. We were big Sam guys. We haven't said anything. And if the roles were reversed, you would see people on Twitter freaking out like, Sam <laughs> fucking sucks, blah, blah, blah. Because we're oh, normal yeah. people. We are yes. normal, rational people. And- we had a take. And we always said there was an avenue to trade or to keep Darnold. And he's playing great, right? So – the problem is, and Mike, you're making a point, if they're 0-3 and throw the pick six last night and lose the game, he's ghost boy, fuck this guy, whatever. It's not consistent. But I agree with you. I want to talk about Mims real quick because I just remembered something that happened last Sunday when I was drunk. I, I had an analogy on Mims, and it might be the worst analogy ever, but here it is. I envision Mims like you bought a popcorn machine and you used it for a couple days and you really enjoyed it. And then for absolutely no reason at all, you would watch a movie and you just refuse to make popcorn with it. You're not making like dinner. You're not it, like he is a popcorn <laughs> machine that is not being used. You bought it for a reason. Just try it out. If it makes good popcorn, you're fine. If it doesn't, you can trade it. Instead, they're using the, the slushy machine, which is Braxton Berrios 11 times. Why does Braxton Berrios have 11 targets and Mims can't touch the field? And Berrios has been really good. It just doesn't make sense from an... From a philosophical standpoint, from this organization, what they're doing, the way that they're building this roster to to bury Mims on the depth chart the way they have is bizarre. The Denzel Mims situation is just really unfortunate because it's such a big deal. Like I hyped up Denzel Mims so much when we drafted him, and you can make all the excuses like, "Oh, well, he was a gaze pick. He doesn't fit the scheme. He has so much talent." I, there's no excuse for him to not be on the on the field. And like you right. mentioned, Mike, wh- where they're at right now. We're a young team. We're playing the young guys for the future. Denzel Mims is a second-round pick, and he has so much upside. It's ridiculous. I will say, based on what they're talking about with Denzel, like with Robert Sala and LaFleur, I think it's clear the reason why he's not getting on the field is not a physical talent issue. It's a mental thing where he maybe doesn't have a good grasp of the playbook, and a, a lot of players ahead of him on the depth chart are working harder, and coaching's, coaching staffs really pay attention of who is the players that are putting in extra time and learning the plays and understand everything. And maybe Denzel is a little step behind. I don't know if that's the case, but that's just my, mm-hmm. you know, thoughts based on what I'm hearing from Robert Sala and LaFleur talk about it, but it really is unfortunate because it, it really is a big deal and it deserves to be a big deal because Denzel needs to see the field. And if he is as talented as we're all hyping him up to be, he will see the field eventually this season. I, I like how you mentioned that he was a gaze pick because what I've learned is that in 2020, it, you know, Becton, Bryce Hall, and Braden Mann were the only Joe Douglas picks. And if a pick doesn't turn out, everyone's like, oh, the Mike Pirine, probably a Gase pick. Like, <laughs> the narrative changes of who drafted <laughs> the good players and bad players. But also with Mims, I, I think it's pretty cool that he volunteered to play special teams and get better at that just to get on the field during the offseason. He tried to do that. We'll see where it ends up. I think it's weird that people on Twitter are like, oh, you're surprised by this? Like, why are people questioning this decision? He doesn't know the playbook. Well, he might not know the playbook. We also don't know that. And the Jets really love Keelan Cole. They've been saying it the entire time. So if they go in and say more Davis, Keelan Cole, than Crowder, Barrios, Jeff Smith is better at special teams. Okay, well, they don't value Denzel Mims that high. Mike's point is if you're doing the whole youth movement, why not start Mims over a healthy Cole? 
right? God forbid Mims goes out there and you see what a 23-year-old Baylor product could do. It's better than seeing Keelan Cole. He came in a slant. He doesn't have to play 58 snaps. Just <laughs> well, put him in a little bit. Keelan Cole was great on Sunday. You know, that's that's why we had to have him active. <laughs> it's just a situation that it was sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it literally, I know. Yeah, no, nothing. No target. It, it's just such a shitty situation that I hate even talking about because it drives me insane. That like, why can't we watch this guy go out there and at least show what he's capable of? Because first of all, yeah. quick point: How many times does Zach Wilson throw the ball up on the perimeter for 50-50 balls? This in his first two seasons, in his first two games, a lot. That's what Denzel Mims thrives in. Case closed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, looking ahead to Denver. On to Denver. (laughs) I am very optimistic for the Denver game. More than most people. And a couple people tweeted me today. They're like, what has this team shown you that can make you optimistic? Blah, blah, blah. We talked about it a couple minutes ago, the three of us. Every single, like, most guys have been playing well by all available metrics. You look through the entire roster. CJ Mosley is playing like a psychopath. Uh, John Franklin Myers, Marcus May, the running backs, the corners, Connor McGovern graded out uh, 85 with PFF. We like PFF when they give good grades to the Jets. We hate them when they don't. Uh, Morgan Moses, uh, AVT was making some crazy blocks. People are talking shit about Quinnen. It seems like Quinnen analytically is having, uh, you know, he's been fine. So, what has this team shown us to Richie's point before if, if Zach Wilson plays a normal game of football and doesn't throw four interceptions and that's okay. Cause he's a rookie quarterback. The jets could have had a chance to win last week. I'm not scared of Teddy Bridgewater. Give me a fucking break. And he's playing great the first two games, but you know, you think the jets match up pretty well against the Broncos offense. It's not like, you know, the, the Broncos have some good wide receivers, but the jets corners are playing fine. And if the jets stop the run, you make Teddy Bridgewater one dimensional. Good luck. Yeah, man, this Broncos game, I love that you're optimistic about it. And this can also be a trap game for Denver because they're versus the, the Ravens next week. This is their home opener. They're they're going up against the Giants and the Jaguars to start off the year, two obviously teams that are not that good so far, 0-2. So the Broncos schedule has been pretty easy. And I feel like the Jets do match up well against them. You know, the only thing I'm worried about is going into a hostile environment and Zach Wilson going up against another top five defense so far in the league. That's what really worries me the most. This is a big test for not only Zach Wilson, but the coaching staff and how they can deal with adversity. Because Robert Sala said himself, I'm really excited to see how this team handles adversity because that's what's going to form our, our identity. Here it is, Robert Sala. This is the adversity you've been asking for. How are you as a head coach going to galvanize the guys, come out with a really good game plan, not only on defense, but on offense? Because as we can see through the first two weeks, the offense is why we're 0-2. The defense has been doing everything. They've been playing winning football. The only thing I would like to see from the defense a little more is uh, force more turnovers, but that's just me getting nitpicky. You cannot complain about what this defense Mm -hmm. has done so far, especially with the young cornerbacks exceeding everybody's expectations. So it's going to be a tough game, especially on the road, especially when it's Denver's home opener. Um, they got to be ready. And Zach Wilson, you know, he, I don't really expect him to absolutely explode this game. I'm not expecting Zach Wilson to go out there and, you know, prove everybody wrong in one game. I'm expecting him to struggle again. I don't want him to see four interceptions, but we have to, you know, ground our expectations based on what, who we're going up against and whose defense we're going up against, in my opinion. Matt, yeah. Matt, what do the Jets have to do to win this game? Look, I think they have to keep playing the defense that they've been playing and not turn the ball over on offense. I also think they got unlucky with – JFM forced to fumble. Marcus May, you know, had a ball go loose that ended up back in Mac Jones' hand. Two of the four picks from Wilson were also tipped, right? One off court in his hands the first time, and then one the second time as well. Um, even though the first one was a bad throw, 
a ball gets tipped, it doesn't always end up in the defensive back's hand. I think 11 points is a crazy line for this game for Denver to be favored by that much. Richie made a good point. They haven't played anyone. Well, plus also, they don't even play an offensive style. Like if right. you play the Chiefs and it's a big spread, you get it. But the Broncos are going to try to win like 20 to 17. Oh, I would I would take them there. The Jets are also plus 420 on the money line in blaze Denver. It. So blaze that. You can you can see what you want with that information. What wait what what's it? <laughs> they're four. They're plus 420 on the money line in Denver. So add up some quick math. I think it might be a good play. Uh, the one thing that I don't get. How and take record aside that they're two and zero. How much improved is this Denver team compared to last year, roster wise? I know if you take the quarterback, obviously Bridgewater is much better than Brett Ripien, who we played. But oh, right, well, okay, okay. I thought you were so, talking about Drew Locke. So if I ask, any, if I ask any Jet fan, and I say, are the current Jets better than they were in 2020? At every position, Jets fans would say absolutely. The Broncos team, I think they're similar team to last year. And the Broncos, everyone thought we were going to win that game, right? West to East, we thought Thursday Night Football, we couldn't go 0-4, we would win that game. So my point is, if, if we were three-point favorites that night, how are we now 11-point underdogs a year later when we're super improved? I'm not saying we're going to win, but how do fans think this game is impossible to win when you have a better team than you did last year? They have the same team, basically, but a better quarterback. I don't know. I think, it, I think the Jets can totally be in this game. I, I, I think if anything, the Jets lose 24-20, and we're, we're happy that Zach Wilson only had one turnover and he throws for two touchdowns. The problem is Jets fans have been disillusioned in the last couple of years differently than, say, like 2012, we don't make the playoffs, you know, we're 2013, we're 8-8, eight like have normal seasons. When you go 2-14, and 14, and then the year before that you were 1-7, and seven, and you keep going through these stretches of just garbage, you lose hope too easily. This is – it's Good week point. three. The Jets are one game out of the division lead. Everyone's one and one If they lose and the Jets win, then the Jets are technically in a tie for first place. It's not over. We can have normal games. Like, like if the Jets win this game, it will just, it will just be like a normal thing. Like, people don't have to freak out and say, we are, the season's over. They're starting to look at draft picks and all this shit. It's week three, and now there's an extra game. Yeah, I agree. I think the Jets fans are overreacting right now. And it's just unfortunate because the expectations going into the season for me, especially, and I mentioned it earlier, with the rookie quarterback and the rookie, I think Mike LaFleur being a rookie offensive coordinator is a way bigger deal than we expected, um, especially for me. You know, we're like, oh, LaFleur offense, it's a Shanahan, it's guaranteed to work, we're going from Gase to this. This offense has to look great right away. And I'm realizing he's a 34-year-old who's never called plays in his entire life. So he's learning on the fly just as much as Zach Wilson's learning on the fly. Um, I think that the, the reason why we're not going to win a ton of games this year is simply because we have a rookie quarterback who is still learning the game of football and he's still learning how to get away with certain things. I feel like that game against the Patriots is going to be such a great thing for Zach in the long run because he he is going to look at that film and understand what he can get away with, what he cannot get away with. He's understanding that you cannot fit that ball in like you did at BYU. There's NFL talent out there like JC Jackson, who's a ball hawk and going to whip that ball out of the, out of the air, unless, you know, you, you have a good uh, zip to it or whatever. So, it's going to be a tough one. I definitely think it's a winnable game. This is a way more winnable game than some Jets fans are um, saying it is, especially with the spread being like that you know, much in the, in the Broncos' favor is pretty insane. So I have a lot of confidence going into this game based on what I saw from this Jets team last week on the defensive side of the ball in particular and the run game. Because if Zach Wilson 
protects the football and plays complimentary football, doesn't try to go for the big play all the time, you know, only go for the long ball, you know, two or three times a game instead of like 10, 15 times, and you ground the, you know, hand the ball up to Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, and we establish a run game, give the ball to Elijah Moore in space as well. I don't want to go into rant real quick, but we need Elijah Moore to start <laughs> getting into this a little bit more. Yeah. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of seeing Elijah Moore catch the ball, and then he's out of bounds. What is Elijah Moore so good at in college? The yards after the catch, he's explosive play waiting to happen. Quick slant or screen pass, anything. Be creative. Elijah Moore needs the ball in his hands with space. And that was my problem week one. Michael Carter, you know, you can't really blame Michael Carter or the offensive line, really. It was a big mess in week one. Offensive line didn't work. Mike Carter never really got the ball in space. We didn't really see what he can do. Week two, Mike Carter gets the ball in space numerous times. We saw the flash. Now it's time to get Elijah Moore involved because he's mm-hmm. a great route runner and he's explosive. Let's see him get the ball in space because I really feel like he is a, going to break out this year and I'm going to manifest that into existence. I have a hypothetical for Richie. I'm okay. nervous. Yeah. Richie, you have, to, you have to live the next four months with three fingers on each hand, but the Jets are two and two after the next two weeks. Yeah. Wait, what kind of – so I have to live my life with only three, like six fingers in total? Six fingers in total. You could, I guess you could pick which hands Do they grow the back on. after – Yeah, yeah, after four months you have all your fingers. But the Jets beat the Broncos, they beat the Titans, and then anything happens after that. They're 100%. Two I, would Sign lose, me up. I would lose both hands for that to happen. But you can't work if you have no nah, hands. I'd call it a work. I'd take – For two months? I'd give up two fingers. Weeks. Oh, you're right. Oh, okay. Four months, four months. So here, here's a big problem that, we, that I had with week one and week two. So Wilson starts off one and seven against Carolina and then works his way into a good game. When you start off 0 for two with two picks against a division rival in the home opener, it's like anything in life. If, if that hits you, like I'm thinking of golf, for example, you, you have two horrible holes. You're going to press to do better moving forward to make up for what you just did. So obviously, if you, do, if you start the game with a quick screen to Michael Carter, you get more involved on a, a five-yard slant. If you build momentum and confidence with your own quarterback, that is good. If you start off 0 for 2 with two picks, Wilson is then going to go out there and say, I have to show that I'm this guy. I have to make up for what just happened. And then you press a little bit too much, right? So I don't know. I think they need to slowly work him into the game. It's fine. I like the, the quote of it, it's fine to play a boring game of football. What he means by that is instead of going for Corey Davis on that ball that he dropped – I forget. It was Tyler. Elijah Moore was open. It was Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Give him the ball, right? Like that that type of thing I'm watching from my seat. I'm like, check down, check down. Literally. And then I I collapse in my seat after he throws the pick. So, (laughs) yeah. Dude, they fucking – the Jets should hire Adam Gase to just script the opening drive and then kick him out of the stadium. (laughs) He's he's coaching high school right now. Yeah, he's busy. That's true. He is. He's mad busy. But that is exactly what happened to me at the game. Um, especially on his third interception when I saw him scanning and I had the perfect perspective. I saw him wind up and throw him like, no, 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 no. And I see a little lollipop and I just look at my friend before he gets him picked off and it's collapsed in my seat. And I literally just want to cry. Like, why do I let the jets affect my emotions? Like, how is it possible? Like sometimes before the game, I just get so worked up. Like I'm about to go on the field. And I like think to myself, like, am I an absolute lunatic? Like why is a New York Jets football team making my body and my mind feel different? 
I know why. I know why. You invest into this team. Your YouTube is great. You make hours of content a week. You do these podcasts and you put in so much effort. You care about this team and they don't give you a normal, you know, go nine and seven. They don't put up 45 (laughs) points and win a game. They, They don't give you that over the past decade. And that is the most troubling thing ever. And that's why when they do win, Jets fans are going to appreciate it so much because think of a Patriot fan talking about their favorite division title that they won. They can give you 13 over the past 14 years, right? Like the fact that Jets fans, when they get one, are just going to cherish it. And I'm not even asking for a Super Bowl. Win the division. Get in the playoffs. Like those We just want to be in the hunt. Win a game. Win one game, right? (laughs) Win on Sunday. So that's why it impacts you. And that's why we go home in our car at 445, sitting in traffic on the turnpike, and I'm beat red and sunburnt and just sad. And, and they're like, your life is great. You have a good job. Everything's going. And I'm like, but I'm very sad about this moment. And I get over it, right? <laughs> we're, we're Friday. I'm feeling good. And if they lose to Denver, probably Tuesday at like 430 is when I'll be back to, to my normal self. That's how it goes. Yeah, it's just, it's a reality. And I've, I've been this way since I was a little kid. You know, I've scarred ever since that 2006 uh, Carlos Beltran striking out with the bases loaded. Like that was the moment of misery. And then I connected with the Jets and Knicks. And then it's been a wild ride for the rest of my life. But, you know, that, that's what being a passionate fan, you know, if you don't let your team swing your emotions on the good and bad side, then, you know, that, that's called being a passionate fan. And I'm going to wear that it's on my fun. chest. I know that all yeah. of us are doing as well. I'm not complaining. It's just funny at times when I do feel that anxiety and I do feel that sadness, I take a step back and like look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, this yeah, is insane. I can't control it. That's my biggest fear is to lose like the, the crazy fan lunatic feeling. Like that's a horrific thing because people <laughs> do it with age. Thought. A lot yeah. of people do it with age and maybe that happens to some as, people. I as don't more think... things become more important in your life, it's hard to be like as psychotic about the team. But, but I like Rich, us. <laughs> Richie's point is good because being everyone can fan their own way. But you, the best fans, when they lose a game or you throw, like, you're, it's not that you're screaming, breaking stuff. It's like a gut punch, and you just are sad. And, yeah, we yell. Yeah, we get mad. Yeah. But, like, the worst moments, I'm just, like, at a loss for words and just sad. Like, that is the type of fan who genuinely cares. You'll see a lot of fans that think it's cool to, like, yell, say their team's terrible. Like, all, like that's not, in my opinion, the best way to root for a team. Like, super fans are the ones that, literally feel sick after a loss to a division rival when you're a seven point underdog like that is unbelievable <laughs> it's sickening man it's sickening i had to like make sure that it doesn't actually affect my physical health yeah no, keep, <laughs> you gotta keep an eye on that richie you can't i know i'm good I'm, I'm battling it now and now that i literally have a channel on all three of my teams i literally am like connected with them for the rest of my life you have an outlet i have an outlet all like right, before I t- the Oh, I told yeah. uh, I told Richie prior to the podcast uh, the surprise that we have coming in the next month. Oh, dude! Uh, I'm so pumped up for that. It's gonna be that very cool. We're gonna season here, but we have something coming out that's big time. We do have only a minute left though on the Zoom. So any let's do closing, score predictions. Any closing thoughts? Score predictions. Starting off with me. Yeah. Richie, All right. Richie. New York Jets win this game, 24-23. Oh, I like that. A last second, 85-yard field goal for Matt Amendola. Oh yeah, I think the Jets lose twenty four twenty. The morning of, I will pick them to win thirty one twenty eight. I think the Jets are going to stop this shit team. I'm not scared of Teddy Bridgewater again. 
Uh, I like the Broncos' skill guys. I think Jerry Judy's fantastic. I don't even know if he's playing. He was hurt. He's not. Uh, Good, so fuck him. And Tim Patrick, whatever. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have been really good. The Broncos have outrushed their opponents by almost double. So I think the Jets are going to stop them from running the ball so effectively. I think we're going to keep up. Uh, you know, keep up from last week and, and be able to run the ball. If the Jets could block Von Miller, I think they're going to win 26 to, to 14. Mike Carter, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Done. All right, well, Elijah Moore, 112 yards, one touchdown. Corey I don't know Davis, what I prefer. 76 <laughs> yards and no touchdowns. Tyler Croft, four <laughs> catches for 37 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Carter, the second interception. Yeah. Oh, JFM, a half sack. Three tackles for loss. <laughs> Quinter Williams, a sack. Yeah. Brandon Eccles, the The, the Zoom's just going to go off. It's just like, we're, we, it's, it's going to happen. We have less than a minute. Guys, I appreciate you having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Go and look at Richie's channel, New York Jets Media. Yes, sir. You guys know where to find me. You guys are doing great things. If you're not checking out NYJ Mike and Matt all the time, 